Hello and welcome to the podcast at Chesbro Baptist Church. This particular message, I heard a preacher preach on this character some time ago, and it really stuck with me. And I've kind of taken that message and kind of adapted it, kind of made it my own. And I really hope you enjoy today's message, The Cowboy. 2 Samuel chapter number 17, 2 Samuel chapter number 17. We're going to read three verses in 2 Samuel 17. If you'll go down to verse number 27, you follow along with me as I read. The Bible says, And it came to pass when David come to Manahem, that Shobai the son of Nahash, and Rabbah the children of Ammon, and Micah the son of Emil of Lodibar, and Barzillai the Gileadite of Rohalim. I like to see anybody else do better than that. <laughs> the Bible says in verse number 28, brought beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat and barley and flour and parched corn and beans and lentils and parched pulse and honey and butter and sheep and cheese of kind for David and for people that were with him to eat. For they said the people is hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. Let's pray one last time. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've done for us. Be with the message this morning. I pray that you bless the Word of God as its priest. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Here in the Old Testament, we are introduced to a man named Barzillai. Now, I like this guy, Barzillai. The more I study about Barzillai, the more I like about him. Uh, the first thing, what I want to show you about this man, Barzillai, is Barzillai's name, he means man of iron. So that's just, here's a guy, he's just old, rough, tough man of iron. And uh, uh, so this verse, this Bible also tells us some other things about him. It tells us that Barzillai is a, is a Gileadite from Rohalim. Well, that right there, that tells us some things right there. Gilead was a place east of Jerusalem, east of Jordan. It was way back in the hill country. So this is, this is the back 40. This is the boondocks, okay? So this is way back in hill country. And then also he's from Rohalim. Now, if you were to get out your Old Testament map and try to find Rohalim on an Old Testament map, you would not be able to find it because it was so tiny, it's not even on a map. That's how tiny this little town of Rohalim was. It was like Kentwood. And uh, so Gilead was a wild, wild country way back in the eastern part of the hill country of Jerusalem. And out there, this was this little Rohalim, this was just a little hick town where uh, there was life was rugged and life was tough. And, and, and this old cowboy Barzillai was just an old man of iron, just an old rough, tough man of iron. You know, men of iron don't speak too much. They don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of words to say. They don't mix words too often. But you ever get one talking? If you can ever get one talking, imagine the stories would be worth listening to. So this is a story about an old country boy way back in the hill country from a tiny little town called Rohalim. And what this, this old country boy, this old man of iron, this old cowboy, he did, he did a mighty great work for his God. You know, when I'm think, I was thinking about Rohalim, and you know, there's a little town in, 
in the United States that kind of reminds me of Rohaline. And uh, it's, it's a tiny little town in Arizona. And way back in the town, man, way back in the day, this town was rough and it was tough and, and it was, uh, life was hard and, and the terrain was harder. And that's a little town. Has anybody ever heard of Tombstone, Arizona? We all know about Tombstone, Arizona, the OK Corral and all the cowboys and the, and, and, and the shootouts. And, uh, but John Wayne was over there a couple times, who knows? And so we got Tombstone, Arizona. And for, to me, Tombstone, Arizona reminds me a lot of this little rough, tough town way back in the woods called Rohaline. Now today, uh, uh, I, I picture what it, what it must have been like to live in Rohaline. Life was tough and rugged. Basically, there was no place for someone soft in a place like Rohalim. In 2 Samuel 19, 32, we learn a little bit more about this man named Barzillai. We learn that Barzillai was four score years old. So what we're talking about here is we're talking about an 80-year-old man. This is an 80-year-old man, and, and so what this tells us is this 80-year-old man, Barzillai, he's got some experience. Hey, this guy's been around the block a few times. This guy's seen it all. This guy's been there. This guy's lived through it. This guy knows what he's talking about. Another thing we learn at the end of verse 32 in chapter 19, the Bible says that he was a very great man. Now, to me and you, we would hear that he was a very great man and we think, oh, well, that's nice. That's good to hear that he was great. Good for him. But, you know, and the reason for that is, is because in mine and your society today and our vocabulary today, everybody's great. Man, you go to a Bible conference and this pastor gets up and this great pastor gets up and preaches and, and then this, this great missionary gets up and preaches after him and next we're going to hear from this great evangelist over here and great, 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 and everybody's great. But let me tell you something, in the Bible, people weren't great all the time. The Bible used great a lot more sparingly than we do. In fact, there's only about five other, around five other times in the Bible where someone was called great. You know, uh, in Genesis 12, 2, God said, Abraham, I will make, thee, make thy name great. In Exodus 11, 3, God said of Moses, this man Moses was great. In 2 Samuel 5, 10, David went on and grew great. In 2 Kings 4, 8, the Shumanite woman, God said, was a great woman. In Luke 1, 15, John the Baptist should be great in the eyes of the Lord. So for me and you today, great men and great women might be a dime a dozen. In the Bible day, in the Bible and in the vocabulary of the Bible, it seems that a person that was great only came around about every 1,000 years. That's how rare it is to find someone that God calls great in the Bible. Now, now here's the thing. A red flag should come up right here. Because if Barzillai was so great, why am I just now hearing about him? I mean, he obviously he's not on the same level as John the Baptist or Abraham or, or Moses or David or the Shumanite woman. So what's going on here? How come I'm, if he was so great, how come I'm just now hearing about him? But you know what the thing about it is, is that regardless of that fact, God considered Barzillai a great man. So this is a great guy. This is, this is a God called him great. So my question is this morning, why was heaven so impressed with Barzillai? 
Why was heaven so impressed with this old man of iron? Why was they so impressed with this old cowboy? Well, you know what? I'm going to have to tell you why, why he was so great. Wouldn't it have been great maybe just to sit around the campfire and talk to this old man of iron? Don't you think he'd have some stories to tell? Don't you think if you sat around this campfire and he's silent over there, but he's poking at the fire, but maybe if you were to get him talking, maybe if you said, hey, hey, Barzillai, tell me what you think about, tell me what you thought about Eli. And man, Barzillai in his mind goes back to when he was a child and says, yeah, I remember that spineless minister called Eli. I remember him. He was spineless. He, 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 had, he had no courage. He had no conviction. Barzillai probably had what, 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 what Barzillai probably hated the most about Eli is something that Barzillai didn't have any, any, time, any time for was the fact that Eli was lazy. You know, old men of iron, old rough and tough men of iron, they don't have much use for laziness. And old Eli was lazy, just sitting around the country going out of control. It was spiraling out of control. There was no voice of righteousness in the, in the country. Uh, this, he, uh, Eli himself was a man who lost moral integrity. You can imagine that this old cowboy Barzillai just sat around and shook his head when he thought about Eli and thought, man, that dude was a spineless. I didn't like him at all. And so maybe, maybe a few minutes later, somebody went up and asked him, Hey, Barzillai, what'd you think about old Samuel? And then you could see Barzillai's face light up. Oh, Samuel. Let me tell you something about Samuel. When, when we went in there and we saw Samuel as a little boy, we knew he was going to do something great. And sure enough, when Samuel grew up, he did something great for God. Now, hold on a second. He had some trouble with his boys. Okay. He might've had some trouble with his boys. Well, let me tell you something. When Samuel was a kid, we knew Samuel was going to grow up and he was going to do something great for God. We knew it. A few minutes later, somebody might ask him, Barzillai, what did you think old King Saul? Man, Barzillai really didn't have time for cowards like Saul. Barzillai was saying, let me tell you something about old King Saul. He stood out there for 40 days while Goliath was out there. And, and old Samuel, I mean, old Saul, he didn't do anything. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. And he wound up letting a teenager go and do his dirty work for him because he was too scared to go take care of Goliath himself. Man, I tell you what, Saul, he was a, yeah, he, 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 he had no business running this country. Oh, so then some a few minutes later, someone would bring up David. When they brought up David, maybe his face would light up again. He said, oh, now David, David's a good guy. David's the best thing that's ever happened to this nation. Let me tell you something. I remember when David was a boy and he was out there keeping daddy's sheep and a lion came out to get after the sheep and he beat the fire out of the lion and a bear came out there and get after the sheep and he beat the fire out of the bear and then he ended up, he beat the fire out of Goliath too. Man, David is a good guy. David is, man, David was awesome. David is, he's, he's the true king. But if you really wanted to see a scowl on his face, if you really wanted to see Barzilli, I really scowl, then you bring up the name of Absalom. Because Barzilli, I didn't have any time for pretty boys like Absalom. Oh, Barzilli, I would sit back and spit his beech nut out and he'd say, you know what? 
I mean, I know Absalom. Yeah, I could probably tell you about the yearly ceremony where he has his annual hairdo. He goes out there and uh, he walks down the street and all the girls fawn over Absalom. And everybody loves Absalom. Well, let me tell you something. Old Barzillai didn't have much for old Absalom. And this was about the time that Absalom was trying to take over the kingdom from, from, uh, uh, from his father, the true king David. And Barzillai and his friends got together and they took an unpopular stand. They did something that uh, everybody, while everybody else was fawning over Absalom, they said, no, you know what? David is the true king. And that's who I'm going to support. I'm not going to support pretty boy Absalom. I'm going to support the true king, which is King David. Hey, so you know what he was going to do? Hey, Barzillai decided he's going to do his part. So Barzillai, he backs up the pick-em-up truck and he drops the tailgate and he starts loading some supplies to bring to David. Now listen to what he brought. He brought beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat and uh, uh, barley and flour and parched corn and beans and lentils and parched pulse and honey and butter and sheep and cheese of kind for David and, 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 and. You know, if an English teacher was in here, they would call that a, poly, a polysyndeton. And what that is, a polysyndeton, is when you use and like that and so, many, uh, uh, so much in a sentence. Now, we would look at that as just supplies and say, oh, well, they're just supplies. But see, not God. God used and, 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 and in order to get you to pay attention. Because the details that me and you would overlook, he does not. He doesn't overlook details like that. That's important to God. Me and you might think it was cute that the little old lady put two mites in the offering plate. But God didn't think it was cute. God said this woman gave all she had, so she gave more than everybody else. Okay? So the details that me and you would overlook, God does not overlook. He's trying to zero in on this. Hey, look, look what this guy did. Look what he did. It's important. It means something. This is a story about a man that says, I don't care which way the wind is blowing. I don't care what's popular. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I'm going to do what's right. I don't care what conventional wisdom says. I don't, care what, I don't care what the news media says. I don't care what the newspaper says. All I care about is what the word of God says, and I'm going to stand for what's right. Now, you can like it or lump it. I'm going to stand for what's right. I don't care that it's unpopular. I don't care that people don't like it. No wonder the Lord said about this man Barzillai that he was a very great man. But you know what? That's what makes this story all the more heartbreaking. It makes this story heartbreaking because in, in chapter 19, David is ready to go back to Jerusalem. David is ready to go back and assume authority as king. And we come to verse number 32, chapter 19. And David said to old Barzillai, And the king said unto Barzillai, Come now over with me. I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. See, so now it was time for David to repay his debt. He said, Barzillai, you cared for me when nobody else cared for me. 
You were my friend when nobody else was my friend. You supported me, Barzillai, when nobody else supported me. And now I want you to come fellowship with me. Now I want you to come eat with me. Now I want you to come to my palace. I want you to rule with me, Barzillai. I want you to reign with me, Barzillai. I want you with me. I want you on my right hand. I want you to be my guy. I don't want your supplies, Barzillai, anymore. I don't want your money anymore, Barzillai. Barzillai, I want you. And why is it heartbreaking? Because in 2 Samuel 19, a great man, a wonderful old cowboy, wouldn't go. He wouldn't go. Now, let me make a statement here. Giving is a wonderful thing. There are many Christians in churches all over this country give sacrificially to missionaries so that they can go out and preach the gospel around the world. Giving is a wonderful thing. Hey, you know what? Even our people in here. Hey, you know what? We're not made up of millionaires. I got people in here that work long hours. I got people sitting in this church today that work overtime. I got people in here that scrimp for every dime they earn. I got people in here that are, that are on fixed incomes. And every week you come in here and that offering plate goes around and you put your tithe in and we take that money. We preach the gospel at this church. We send missionaries all out over the world. It is a wonderful thing. It is a powerful thing. And heaven takes note. But if you read the Great Commission... It says, go ye therefore. But I'm afraid what we've done today if we, is we've changed it from go ye therefore to give ye therefore. See, Barzillai was a man who would give ye, but he wouldn't go ye. Barzillai, he would write a check, but he would not fight for the king. Hey, he would give supplies, but not his time. He would give his wallet, but not his fellowship. And he would give us possessions for the work, but he would not do the work. You know what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to give you four, four reasons or four excuses why Barzillai wouldn't go. He would give, but he wouldn't go. Let's look at those four today. Let's, uh, verse number 35 and number 19. The excuse number one, I am too old. I am too old. Verse 35, am this day fourscore years old, and can I discern between good and evil? Can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more the voice of singing men and singing women? You know what Barzillai is trying to say here? He's saying, David, I'm no, I, 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 I'm no spring chicken. David, there's some wear on the tread. Okay, David, I've been around a little bit. I've got some mileage on me, David. He's saying, at first he said, and can I discern between good and evil? He's saying, you know, David, I'm not as sharp as I used to be. Things have gotten a little dull. You know, I'm not as quick-witted. I mean, I used to be Johnny on the spot quick, but I'm not as quick on the uptake anymore, David. I'm not as sharp as I used to be. And then he says, can my servant taste what I eat or what I drink? You know what he's saying? He's saying, man, David, he's talking about eating a meal. David, I, I can't eat like I used to. 
Man, I could sit down at the table and I could smash a rack of ribs and get up and, and, and get seconds. But David, I, I can't do that anymore. Now I can barely even taste my food, David. And then he says, can I hear anymore the voice of singing men and singing women? He's saying, David, I, I have trouble with my hearing. Man, I, I got the, the, the grinders don't work that, like they used to. The ears don't work like they used to. The mind and the eyes don't work like they used to. No, David, I don't want to come to your palace. No, David, I don't want to fellowship with you. No, David, I don't, want to, I don't want to go and I don't want to fellowship with you and I don't want to rule with you and I don't want to reign with you and I don't want to eat your meals because I'm too old. You know what? David knew what he was asking. David's not dumb. David could look at this guy and say, hey, this guy's an 80-year-old guy. This guy's got some mileage on him, but you know what? The king didn't care how old he was. King didn't care. He didn't look. He saw an 80-year-old man, and that's exactly what he wanted. I'm sorry, Barzillai, but the excuse that you're too old is just not going to fly. The, the, the excuse that you, that you just, that isn't going to cut it that you're too old. Why? Because I can show you time and time in this book where some granddaddies did some pretty awesome things. God used a 65-year-old man named Enoch who brought a child into this world, named it Methuselah, got a revival, and decided to walk with God. A 600-year-old man named Noah was preaching righteousness when the flood came. A 75-year-old businessman named Abraham left Haran and changed the world by the will of God. A 147-year-old man named Jacob went down to Egypt. An 80-year-old Moses went in unto Pharaoh. Uh, Caleb was 85 years old when he started climbing mountains. Another 85-year-old woman named Anna was still serving God in the New Testament. And I can't find that said there's an God doesn't matter how old you are the grinders not, might not work like they used to the eyes might not see as well you might not can hear as, as, as much as you could but that is not an excuse for not being right with God it's not an excuse there was a uh, an evangelist went to a missions conference. And as he was at this missions conference, the pastor took this evangelist and introduced this evangelist. I just killed a wasp. And introduced this evangelist to a 75-year-old woman. Her and her husband were missionaries to Mexico. They had been in Mexico for over 40 years. Her husband had got cancer came back to the States, and her husband passed away. So this evangelist is standing here trying to comfort this woman, and he says, well, what are you going to do now? And she says, well, we buried my husband last week. It's going to take me a couple more weeks to get some arrangements made, but then I'm going back to Mexico. Don't you love to hear that? 75 years old, and she is not too old to serve God. You see, it doesn't matter how old you are, and it doesn't matter how young you are. You can still live for God. Your life is not a waste. You've got a lot of life.
and it, you can do something for him. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. So that was the first excuse. I'm too old. What was the second excuse? Verse number 35, the last part, says, Wherefore then should thy servant be yet a burden unto my Lord the King? You know what his second excuse was? Oh, I just don't want to be a burden. Oh, I just don't want to be a burden. Have you ever heard a more phony excuse than that? Oh, I just don't want to be a burden to anyone anymore. You know what that's called? That's called phony humility is what that is. Oh, I'm just so small and I'm just so insignificant. And you know what? I really just don't matter. And you know what God says? God says, you're right. You don't matter. What's the change? You've never mattered. You've never been able to do anything without me anyway. So what's different now? So the old excuse, oh, I just don't want to be a burden. Man, you know what? That's just not going to cut it. Well, it's just like Moses. You know, Moses, uh, Moses, when, uh, when Moses, when, when, God, when God told Moses to go to Pharaoh, man, Moses, he had his excuses, didn't he? Moses has excuses. He said, uh, 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 they're going to say who sent me. And you know what God said? You tell them the I am hath sent you. Moses thought for a little bit and he said, but, 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 but I stutter and I stammer. I don't like, you know, Pharaoh, I just can't talk. And he said, well, you know, right about that time, this has always amazed me, right about that time, his brother Aaron had made the long trip from Egypt and walked up at just that right moment. I wonder if God had anything to do with that. And, Mo and God said, Moses, turn around, look over there. Your brother Aaron is coming, and Aaron is going to talk for you. And you know, I can't find in this Bible where Aaron said a whole lot of anything. Well, I think that was just an excuse that Moses made up. But the other excuse was this. You know what Moses said? He said, oh, you know, God, I'm just old Mo on the backside of the desert. I'm a nobody. You know what God didn't say to Moses? He didn't reach over and pet Moses' hand. Oh, it's okay, Moses. You're special. You're unique. Moses, uh, it, it, it's okay, Moses. You're special. Uh, you're, you're unique. Moses, you, you have to work on your self-esteem, Moses. Moses, you can't love your neighbor until you love yourself. No, God didn't say that to me. You know what God said? God says, Moses, you're right. You're a nobody. I know you're a nobody. You know you're a nobody. But you also know I'm a somebody that uses nobodies. See, you can't be something for God. You have to be nobody. And when you become nobody, that's when God can use you. Let me tell you something. When it comes to serving God, there is no reason why he should use me. He should swap me away like a fly. He should throw me away with the trash. There is no reason why God should use me right here. There's no reason. But you know what? That's not an excuse not to serve. That's not an excuse not to serve God. The pastor, there was a lady in the church, in this church I'm talking about, and uh, she had missed, a, missed some Sundays. She hadn't been in a while, and so the pastor went to go visit her.
And the pastor knocked on her door and she came in. The pastor came in and sat and talked to her and said, he said, Miss So-and-so, we knows you haven't been to church in a while. Is everything okay? And she said, oh, pastor, uh, you know, my, my car has been giving me trouble and, you know, I don't like to be out on the road except to go to the bingo hall, but that's okay. And uh, so she, she, she says, I don't like being out on the road and, you know, my car is giving me trouble and so I just hadn't been coming. And the pastor said, well, you know what? You know, sister so-and-so lives just down the road from you. She has to pass your house every day. Every time she comes to church, she has to pass your house to come to church. Why don't you just ride with her? I'm sure she won't mind. And she said, oh, no, no, no. I don't want to be, I don't want to do that at all because I don't want to be a burden. Hmm. Have you ever heard a more phony and silly excuse? I just don't want to be a burden. All right, what's, what's the next excuse, Barzillai? What else you got? Let's look at verse number 36. Thy servant will go a little way over Jordan with the king, and why should the king recompense it me with such a reward? You know what he said next? He said next, you know what I'll do, king? Here's what I'll do. I'll go halfway. I'll go halfway for you, David. I'll be a halfway Christian. I won't go all the way. I won't fully commit, but I'll give you just enough to where to be all right. I'll go a little way. I'll go halfway, but I won't go all the way. We have Christians like that today are not willing to go all the way, only willing to go halfway. Let me ask you a question. Where would we be at today if Jesus decided he was just going to go halfway? Where would we be? What if he only went a little way to Bethlehem? What if that's as far as he went? Oh, we'd have a nice story to tell. Oh, we could get up at Christmas time and we could tell the story of Mary and we could tell the story of the Virgin Mary and the angels and we could tell the story of the shepherds and we could tell the story of Herod and we could tell the story of wise men and man, we'd have a great story to tell. But we'd be most miserable if that's as far as he went. What if, uh, uh, what if he only went to the Sermon on the Mount? Man, we'd have a great sermon. We know how to be happy. We know how to give. We know how to pray. But that'd be it. We wouldn't have nothing else. What if he only went to the Mount of Transfiguration? Well, we'd know what he looked like in his glory. Uh, what if he only went to the Garden of Gethsemane? But, but Garden of the Garden of Gethsemane was so close to the end, that's got to count for something. What if he just went to the Garden? He went, lived his whole life, his whole ministry, went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And what if he stopped right there? That's right there near the end. It's so close. What if he just stopped at the Garden? Let me tell you something. If he just stopped at the Garden, today we'd be lost without hope. But he didn't stop there. My Savior went all the way to Calvary. He went all the way to Calvary on that cross. You know what he said on that cross? He lifted up his voice and he said, It is finished. Why is it finished? Because he went all the way. Let me tell you something. I can't take your sins away. I can't absolve you. I can't forgive you. Only heaven and Jesus, only Jesus in heaven can do that. Why? Because he went all the way. 
Do you know him today? Do you know that you know him? Do you have Jesus in your heart? If you die today, are you 100% sure without a doubt that, you, that you're going to heaven? If you're not, don't leave here today like that. Don't, I always say this, don't go to hell from Chesbro Baptist Church. Get that settled before you leave here today. You know, when you sit down and you counsel with someone, the first thing they're going to have is their excuses. They're going to have them locked and loaded. They're going to have them ready to go. Okay? And when you first get, you're going to get excuse, excuse, excuse. But if you talk to them long enough and you strip away all the excuses, you get down to what we call the real reason. Up until now, all we've had is excuse after excuse after excuse. But we're about to get down to the real reason. We're about to have a come to Jesus meeting with old Barzillai. He's about to tell King David the real reason why he doesn't want to go. Let's look at verse number 37. Let thy servant, I pray thee, turn back again that I may die in mine own city and be buried by the grave of my father and of my mother. Barzillai, you got a chance to go to the palace. Barzillai, you got a chance to be with the king, to fellowship with the king, to serve with the king. But you know what he said? He said, you know what? <laughs> I want to go back to the wild, wild east. I want to go back to the hill country of Gilead. I want to go back to old Rohalim and sit on my rocking chair until I die and one day be buried beside mommy and daddy. I think most of us, if we had the option of going to the palace with the king and living with the king or going back to the country and living in the wilderness of Gilead, most likely we'd know just waiting to die, we know what choice we would make. But for all the excuses that Barzillai gave, I'm too old, I don't want to be a burden, I'll go halfway the real reason why he did not want to go, because it would mean he would have to, and here it is, change his plans. He would have to change his plans. You know the real reason why you don't serve God with your life? The real reason that you don't give your life for Jesus' service is because it means you'd have to turn the apple cart upside down. Because it means you'd have to say, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And you'd have to get rid of your plans. In other words, you'd have to say, I don't have any plans anymore. There might be a teenager in here, and you've got everything, you've got everything planned out. Oh, you've got, you know, your which scholarship you're gonna have, and you know what school you're gonna go to, and you know what career you want. You might even know who you're gonna marry, you might even know where you're gonna build a house, and you might even know where you're gonna be buried at beside mommy and daddy. You've already got the plot picked out. You've got all this stuff figured out, and you know if you surrender to God's will, there's a chance God could say, Nope, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to do something else. And so that's why you're not willing to give your life in service to Jesus. Might be a mom and dad in here, the same reason. You've got everything, you've got everything figured out. 
You've got everything figured out. You know what you're going to do. You know how long it's going to take you to pay your car off. You know how long it's going to take you to pay your house off. You've got all these plans. You've got the 401k plan. You've got the IRA plan. And you know you've got to work this many hours to get this done. And, but the real reason why you won't fully surrender your life to Jesus Christ in his service is because it'll change your plans. Because God can do that. Because God might come to you and say, I don't want you to work in here anymore. I want, you to, I want you to work here. I don't want you to do that anymore. I want you to do this over here. And you can't take it because you've got everything planned out. And you don't want to take the chance of God changing your plans. And that can go for anybody else in here today. You don't want to give God your life. You don't want to do God's will. You don't want to serve God because you don't want God to change your plans. That old cowboy, he threw on his hat, he saddled up in his cart, and he rode off into the sunset. Well, it was east, so he rode off into the sunrise. He rode off into the sunrise, and he went back to the wild, wild country of Gilead, to the hill country. He went back to the old rough and tough town of Rohalim to sit on his rocking chair and just rock back and forth until he could be buried with mommy and daddy. And you got to shake your head and you got to say, man, what could have been? Man, Barzillai, what could have been? Well, you know, the Bible tells us what could have been. The Bible tells us in verse 37, it says, Behold thy servant Chimham, let him go over with my lord the king and do to him what shall seem good unto thee. You know what Barzillai said? He said, David, I can't go with you, but I've got this servant here. His name's Chimham. Why don't you take Chimham and you let him go with you and you let him go in the palace and you just do to him whatever you were going to do to me. And uh, David might have said, oh, well, Chimham's a good guy. He's a good person, but Barzillai, you're the guy. You're the one that I want. And, and Barzillai says, no, no, I've got my plans. So here we have Chimham goes to the palace. And, you know, if Mr. Harvey was still alive today, this is the point where he would say, and here's the rest of the story. Chimham goes to the palace to live with David, and he must have done pretty good because in Jeremiah we see that David gave Chimham a gift. And the gift that David gave Chimham was a little track of land in a place called Bethlehem. And old Chimham, you know what he did? He went to back to Bethlehem one day and he started him a little hotel. And he called the name of that hotel Chimham's Inn. Fast forward some years later and the politicians, they raised the taxes and the politician said, hey, uh, there's a, there's, I got to have a census. And hey, uh, you got to go back to the place of your birth. And there was an old carp. There was a carpenter there. He didn't make a whole lot of money named Joseph. And uh, he said, man, I can't afford to do this. Mary's, Mary's pregnant. She's great with child. And I can't afford to do this right now. But he had no choice. And he loaded up Mary. And, he, and Joseph went to Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem only had about it was a population of only about 500 people. 
and they only had one inn. And you know what the name of the inn was? You can look in the history books and see. The name of the, hymn, of the, of the inn was Chim Ham's Inn. So Mary, Mary and Joseph, they go up to the inn and they knock on the door and the innkeeper comes out and Joseph said, Mary's about to have a baby and we, we, uh, I don't want her to have it out in the street. Can you help us? And the innkeeper said, I can't. I've got no rooms. But he looked at Mary and he saw she was about to have a baby and she said, look. He said, look, the best I can do for you is to go out to the stable. Man, you're going to have to push the hay out of the way. and You're going to have to push the manure out of the way. You're going to have to put the baby in the feed trough. But I give you some place to stay out of the wind. And right there on that night, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords was born. And he was born on a property that was called Chim Ham's Inn. When it could have been called Barzillai's Hotel. You see, when someone says to God, my plans instead of your plans, we never really know how that's going to turn out in eternity. Willing to give anything you need, Lord. Willing to go? That's a different story. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around.